Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Luke chapter number 10, everybody, and I want to trust God. God help us tonight, really wrestling as far as I've got more messages that I want to minister and not enough days to minister them in, and so um, trying to wrestle where to put which one I'm feeling. And I really felt uh, tonight that this is the time to minister this sermon. Luke chapter number 10, everybody in verse 38, very, very familiar. Matter of fact, if you're a Bible reader, everything that I would ever minister would be very familiar. But this, no doubt, is familiar to folks who are not even habitual readers of their Bible. You'll know this story. And the goal of a minister is to take what is written in Scripture and make it applicable to your life, or we fail. It's one thing to just give a bunch of information that we can walk out with big heads. Because now we know so much. We've got big heads, we can't get through the double doors, you know. It's one thing to get all kinds of knowledge in that cranium of yours. It's another thing to get it from the cranium to the heart where you live. So the goal of the preacher is to make it, at least this preacher, is to make it so you can live what we're talking about, so I can live it, right? Come on, are you with me? We don't want to just have a bunch of scriptural knowledge. It's better to have a little bit of the scriptural knowledge but lived than all of it unlived. Luke chapter number 10, verse 38. We'll read a few verses together. It says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet, heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken from her. Getting into position. Father, we thank you. God, for your word tonight. God, we come by the blood of Jesus. We're asking, God, that you would supernaturally minister to every man, every woman. Father, please help me. Capture the attention, arrest the attention of your people. I plead the blood over this time we have. May eternity dwell in these moments, God, please. Speak, God, speak with clarity. 
May every person locate themselves. And God, fill these altars with decisions and choices that honor you, especially in this day. I give you praise. Help me to speak as I ought. In Jesus' mighty name, can you say amen? Amen. amen? amen. Thank God. Sermon is called Getting Into Position. Let me talk to you about the wrestling match briefly. In the book of Ephesians, chapter number 6 and verse 12, which Scripture teaches you and I some profound truths. One of those, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We're talking about a wrestling match. Wrestling is different tonight than fighting. Fighting is punch, punch, punch. Someone goes down. Wrestling is not that way. It's strategy. It is maneuvers to pin your opponent down. It is to get them tangled up, if you would, and force them to the ground and cause them to be forced to give up. I give up. You wrestle them down to the ground. And it's not a matter of all kinds of of muscle and bigness and strength. No, no, no. It's a matter of skill. And it's a matter of being stealthy with what you're going to do and twist and move and maneuver. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That it's not against some muscle foe. Matter of fact, the Bible says when we see the devil, we're going to look and say, you You are the one. So it's not about this incredulous, monstrous uh, entity. It's literally not against flesh and blood. The battle is with a real foe that is always looking to pin you and I down to the ground. Listen to what I'm saying. You have a foe. I think a lot of times in our Christianity, I wrote a whole sermon recently called The Devil. You know why? Because I read an article, and in that article it said 51% of professing Christians don't even believe in the biblical devil. Well, he got 51% of Christians deceived. That's mind-boggling. Don't even believe there's a devil. We have a real foe. And this real foe uses your known weaknesses as strengths. And then he employs his devices against your weaknesses when you are vulnerable. This is how he operates. The devil makes an incredulous boast. You know what it is? I will wear out the saints of the Most High. I will wear them out. I will literally cause the saints of the living God to become fatigued, to lose the edge, to lose their stamina because of weariness. I will wear them out. He will make us to become divided. Listen to what I'm saying, please. He'll make us. Even men, women, I've been around almost 30 years. Listen, listen. He'll make us become divided. And when you become divided, we lose balance. We get unstable. 
I flew from Phoenix to Los Angeles on a long trip um, to southern Australia. And as I was going, the plane went up um, in Phoenix. I heard a pop in my ear. My eardrum blew out, was bleeding in my ear. For the rest of the journey, I was sick and out of balance. I couldn't collect my equilibrium. Everything was awkward. Everything was awry. Everything was a mess because I was out of balance. The devil would get us that way. Cause you and I to become so messed up. um, Gets us unstable. Because we're unable to focus on two things at one time. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. Nothing gets done when we are divided in thought. Nothing gets done. There's a lot of movement, but no progress. James chapter 1, verse 7, Let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Not one or two or three, but all of his ways become unstable. See, the devil understands. He was there when that was written. We think we have some edge on the devil. No, folks, he's been around beyond you and I. The devil understands how to get us pinned down. He knows how to get you and I outmaneuvered. And he knows when we are there outmaneuvered and worn out. When we are double-minded, he knows he can pray or we can pray all we want. But God's word says when we're double-minded, we'll get no help from God. And we don't even like how that sounds, but too bad that's in the Bible. The Bible says an unstable man or a double-minded man will receive nothing from God. Can I just deviate for a moment? Because this literally sets a man up for the incredible deception of hell. Because when we are right here, the devil will bless us and we'll call it God. See, double-minded people all the time. And all of a sudden, they're collecting a job that carries them away from the things of God, away from the people of God, away from the house of God, away from time with God. And they say, God bless me. Serious? Would a wife do that? Would a wife carry us away from God? No. Would a wife carry us away from the relationship we would have with her? No. I wish there was a church to preach to tonight. He knows you'll get no strength from where your strength comes from. If he can get you divided in thought. And I want you to listen to me because the way he does this, beloved, is absolutely incredible. He's very effective. He gets us worried about so much. Now, if you tell me you don't worry, I'm going to call you a name. We all have worries. Talk to me. Can we be honest? It's one of the, well, you know why the Bible says do not worry? You know why the Bible says don't worry about tomorrow? Because we do. That's why it says he's not going to waste his breath and put it in scripture. We don't do it. We do it. He gets us worried about so much. And then the devil puts his maneuver on us in this wrestling match. The setting of our text is incredible. Listen. It's an incredible time of fellowship. How many know there's always too much to do and not enough time to do it? I'm just honest to God's truth. He's fellowshipping. They're fellowshipping with Jesus and the gang. 
There's time constraints here. Have you ever had a fellowship at your house? I'm not talking about one or two people, but have you had a fellowship at your house where you've invited the church? We were doing fellowships like this in our church in Raleigh all the time. When we're in Chandler, I'd go and come back, go and come back, and you can attest to this, Pastor Adam, that you can see the people in the church that are just quietly serving God. They're not making noise. They're not trying to be flamboyant. You wouldn't even know they're there, but they are the literal spine of that congregation. They're the people that give so sacrificially and large that we could have 21 churches planted last conference. These are the people that make it happen. They're, they're not, you'll never know them, the Ken LeBlancs and Mary LeBlancs and, and you know, George Roses and, and Tom, uh, Tom, you, you know, Tom and Rose. I mean, these aren't, they're not out there tooting their own horn. These are the folks who've been there from the beginning, and they've watched this whole thing, and they are givers and lovers. And, and I'm going and coming and going and coming, and it's these guys that always greet me. Everyone else is running around doing their thing, but these guys stop. Hey, man, it's been good to see you. Hey, how's it been? How's it been out there? You know, blah, blah, blah. And so one time I came back, I told my wife, I said, you know, we need to do something for all of them. There's about 40 of them, maybe 50. And I called them quiet servants. She said, what can we do? I said, I don't know. Let's have a dinner. So we decided that we're going to have some supper and have some dinner for each one. We're going to split it up in two or three groups. So we had like 15 over the first time. And uh, I'm thinking we're just going to do this, that, and the other. My wife said, no, no, we need to buy some tables. We don't borrow anything from the church. We buy it. So we bought some tables. Then she said, well, we need chairs. I had to go buy some chairs. Then I said, okay, cool. We can use to get some paper plates. We ain't getting no paper plates. We need to buy some plates. Plates? <laughs> then she said, we need plates. Plates, Max? Forks and knives. I'm like, my goodness, man. <laughs> I just wanted to feed them and bless them. My wife is getting Amazon boxes and forgot what she ordered. (laughs) Uh, And so we were doing this, but there's so much that is involved in this. It's not just come over and eat. If you're preparing this, it's a prepared meal. There's all the cleaning. There's all the needs. There's the cooking. There's the place setting. Folks, listen to what I'm saying. Life without this is a wrestling match. Life is strenuous without this. Life is complex. You have work. You have kids. You have school. You have homework. You have shopping, cooking. You have friends. You have family. Then we have church and revival, prayer meeting, ministry. We've got outreach. We've got hospital visits. We've got follow-up. People that made a decision need to be encouraged or the devil will swoop down and steal them. We've got follow-up. And in the midst of this, we've got no time. Time constraints. Your pastor then has to force, in the midst of all that, three sermons a week for you. Well, I'm not going. How do you like that? Well, I won't be at church this week. Why, man? He's been the same time constraints are on him or on you. The same difficulties that are on you to get here on him to write a sermon for you when you come here. Anyways, I'm trying, man. Ain't nobody listening, bro. Jesus, he said, Martha, Martha, 
Listen, you are worried about too much. You are troubled about too many things. He's speaking specifically to her about all that is happening in her mind and life. But listen, please, what Jesus did not say, I believe, is just as important as what he did say. He did not trivialize her burdens and concerns. He did not say the things that she was concerned about were not important. He didn't look at her, roll his eyes, and begin to belittle her needs. He simply said, Martha, some things are more important than others. Scripture says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. Verse 40. That we can possibly be serving, and that serving itself becomes a major distraction. Jesus is there speaking. And Martha is worried about everything else except what Jesus has to say. Can I tell you a secret tonight? When you come into the church and the word of God is being preached, that is the most important thing. I hope you hear what I'm saying. It's not me, the preacher. The most important thing is the word of God. Every single ministry is centered on that. Every ministry is centered on the reality of God's word because we don't live by everything else. Man lives by the word of God. And this word is what produces every good quality inside of you and I. This word is what will combat everything that is in us that is not right by God. It is the word of God, and it is critical that that gets injected in us. So we can be distracted by everything else and miss what is critically important. And I'm telling you, the devil knows this, and this is the wrestling match. The wrestling match, beloved, is for your attention. That's why your kids were cut up. You'll bring your, you, know, you know they need to be here, but they'll cut up. Now your attention is divided. You miss what's being said. And you might hear the words, but can't formulate the sentence and how it, has, it, was, it was passed down through the scriptural references because your mind has been distracted here, there, and everywhere. And you might have heard. And someone said, what did he just say? And you can blurt it out, but you have no understanding of the spirit behind what was said. You can just repeat the letter of it. And you miss the spirit of it. You hear what I'm saying? That's why it's critical that we make our children sit down and be quiet. I know people don't like that, but that's me. He was a, he was a teacher, he'll tell you. Make them sit down, be quiet, or go to the bathroom and have some challenge with them. Let me talk to you about that. It's critical. The wrestling match, beloved, is for your attention in life. It is for the purposeful leaning of yourself into. That's what attention means. It's archaic. It means leaning into. That we on purpose lean into what the word of God is saying. You have to do this yourself. That so much can be needing your attention at one time. So many troubles, so many needs, so many pressures, so many duties. And they each are wrestling for the same space, your life. And you got to choose, which is my second point, making 
the good choice. Luke 10, 41, and Jesus answered and said, Martha, you are worried about tr- and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Mary chose. She chose. She decided what was right. Jewish proverb says, put your feet today on the path that God said he will bless tomorrow. Put your feet today on the path that God said he would bless tomorrow. We must make decisions that place our feet on blessed paths. We got to make decisions that God will be willing to bless. Every decision tonight is pregnant with a consequence. And Mary, she chose that good part. Verse 39 of our text, she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Sat at his feet, heard his word. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, in this life, there is no greater place to be than there, right there, right there. Making that choice to sit at his feet and hear his word. Matter of fact, if you know anything concerning sitting at the feet biblically, that's a position of submission. In other words, I've surrendered, I'm submitting. You can study it out yourself. You can read about Ruth, how she laid at Boaz's feet, and he immediately understood what she was saying without her saying a word. Listen, that is a place of of literal uh, submission, and this is what he's saying. She has chosen to submit herself to me and listen to my word. That will never be taken away from her. And there is no greater place to be right there. Every demon in hell will fight you when that is your desire. Every half-hearted Christian will fight you when that is your position. Every backslidden saint or family member will fight with you when that is your place and your longing to be rested right there. They will have words to say concern. You don't have to. You don't need to. You don't always have to. And they'll always say something to divert you from this place and position. Martha was distracted with her serving. It was very necessary. It was very important, I dare say, even critical. If they're going to eat, someone's going to have to assume that ministry. But at some point, we need to stop with all the busyness of serving and recall who we are serving. That we stop with all the... And remember who we are serving... That Jesus, man, he was present, but you know the mindset, the mind of Martha. Sorry, Jesus, I don't have time to sit and listen to what you say. I'm too busy serving you to hear you. I'm too busy serving to spend time with you. This describes many a man and woman's experience in Christ right here. And these get very abrasive and upset when they see others simply sitting and enjoying their salvation at Jesus' feet. They get very upset with it. Verse 40, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. She is blazing mad. 
You get the idea as she's serving, she's eyeing her sister sitting there. And she's moving around, and she's just moving around, and, you, you, and then finally she says, ah, I can't take it no more. And she takes up her oracle in prayer before God and says, Lord, I'm coming before you today. <laughs> I thank you for my salvation, but this sister Mary, she ain't doing nothing to help me. Don't you care that she left me to do all this heavy labor all by myself? Tell her to get up and help me. Amen. No, 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 my bad. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. Mary said, I understand the needs. But I would rather sit at his feet for a while. You know what's interesting? Jesus says, the poor you will have with you always. And I'll never forget God whispering that to me in circumstances in my life as I was busy, 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 busy. Say, so, you know, the poor you'll have with you always, it's not necessarily just the poor people, poor people. Poor. It's things that impoverish, things that steal away everything, steal away our time, things that steal away our devotion. They're going to be around all the, there's going to be needs everywhere. It's always going to be this way. It's ne- as long as we inhale and exhale, all this is going to be. But he said, I will not always be. You have to make a choice. Mary said, I'd rather sit at his feet. The kingdom of God is about making choices. Matter of fact, life is about making choices. Some great, some small. But all of them are very significant and cumulative. They make up who you are, your choices. So in essence, our choices are character builders. Our decisions are character builders. Pastor Campbell said, destiny is not a mystery. It's a decision. That is profound if you think of it and what I'm speaking of right now. You don't just arrive at destiny one day and all of a sudden you're, ta-da, you're this guy, this woman. No, it's been decision after decision. And then you arrive where God has called you to be. The scribe said, I will follow you anywhere. And Jesus responds, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but I don't have anywhere to put my head down. In other words, okay, you want to follow, you're going to have to make some decisions that's going to have life ramifications. How you live is going to change. You're still going to follow. The rich young ruler came and said, what must I do to have eternal life? He said, I'll tell you what you've got to do. And he told him, and the Bible says... uh, This one thing he was not willing to do. He had a decision to make. Salvation and calling, we understand these are big. These decisions I just spoke on are big decisions. But I'm telling you, everyday decisions are not that big, but they do cumulatively tend to be as large as that. Watch, choosing to pray every day. That means getting up and choosing to talk to God. Choosing to read your Bible every day. I'm amazed at how many Christians don't read their Bible. I don't even want to ask. It bothers me so bad. I can't believe how many people believe God but don't know his word. We're set up for such deception. Choosing to spend time with your wife. 
Spend time with your husband. Spend time with a new convert. Choosing to lift your hands in worship amidst the troubles. Choosing to go to church and stop with the excuses, well, I'm tired or this or that or whatever, man. The life is, life is full of troubles. So what, man? If we can't just simply say, no, I am going to the house of God. We've got problems, man. We can't say we're committed if we can't even. Hello, somebody. It's choosing to smile at someone. Just smile. I mean, life will make us frown, but it's choosing to smile. Martha was distracted with the temporal things that were passing away, and it bogged her down with all the here and now issues. But I declare, the scripture says there is a hereafter, and we need to be tending to that. In Luke 16, Jesus tells of the rich fool who made provision for himself in this life. But his decisions cost him his soul in eternity. The voice comes from heaven. In Luke 12, it was, that says, the man says, I'll build barns and bigger barns. And the voice falls from heaven and says, thou fool, this day. All your choices and decisions were leading up to this day. He said there's an expiration date written by God. Well, his date was come and he's expired. And he says, you're not rich toward God. You've made decisions everywhere else but here. And beloved, the echo of this question has gone throughout the ages. You say, what is the question? What would it profit a man to gain this whole world? What would it prompt? And what would be the point in having everything right now and lose everything later? Is there a fair exchange for the soul of a man? The Bible says the man's life, is, his soul is costly. See, Martha is distracted and could not pause to think Jesus is here. Mary is literally captured by the thought. Jesus is here. And she chose that good part. This is the best part. Time spent with Jesus. Time spent with the Lord. These daily decisions and these choices, beloved, they, 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 when, we, when we make these choices, they all add up. And one day, because of the habit of making good decisions, we'll be able to discern what is that good part or not. We'll be able to discern what is the perfect and acceptable will of God, and it will be natural to choose what is right. It sets us up for the big decisions that lead to calling, destiny, purpose, and all kinds of other things in the kingdom of God later. But it's these decisions. Cumulative. The servant was sent to tell the marriage feast was ready. They began to make excuse one by one that they could not come. The Bible says one man bought a field. Another person got married. Another one bought oxen. All of this is symbolic. A field is possessions. Marriage is relationships. Oxen is career. Now, all of these are important, but in light of eternity, they're in the wrong place. The good part was to be with the master at the feast. 
Yet in light of their present circumstances, they chose the busyness of life. Like Martha, they were too distracted, even with good things in life, too worried about the temporary issues. They were pinned down in the wrestling match. And the devil laughed as these could simply say, I cannot, because the here and nows have tied me up. I cannot tend to the hereafter. And the devil just laughed as I got them. They missed the good part. And this caused the Lord to weep. This caused the Lord to lament. Only two times I know in Scripture where that happened. One was with Lazarus. The other time he's coming to the crest of the hill. He sees Jerusalem in the distance. And the Bible says he weeps over Jerusalem because they missed that good part that will never come their way again. Luke 19, 41. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. Because all their decisions up to this point are going to be no doubt cause them to miss this moment which was written from their prophets. This time is going to come and go and they're going to completely miss it. Jesus, Mary has chose. She made a decision to cleave to the good part. And listen to what he said. I will not take that away from her. We're talking about something permanent. I will not. And then he looks at her. He's answering her prayer. Tell her. This is his answer. I'm not going to tell her that. And he says, no, you choose what I will bless. You choose what I will bless. Let me quickly close with getting into position. Now, I'm not the sports guy. I'm not the basketball, football, and all that. Just never have been, really. But I know enough to understand that they have positions, each player. You know, you had a forward, you had a center, you know, strong guard or whatever, you know, whoever they are. You got all these positions, and each one has to be in their place. And Football team, you have all these guys. The, the quarterback, um, he's looking and he's looking and he says, blue 42. And he realizes uh, the defense did something and they read their offense. And so he says, uh-oh, I'm going to have to do some changes. And, and he says, uh, green 51, green 51, green 51. And they hike and they hike. And, and what he's done is he's shifted things around and he's in, in position. And this guy's doing his thing according to that. And then he turns and throws the ball where that guy's supposed to be. He's supposed to do this and get to his position. Each play has a place where they're supposed to navigate themselves to. And if they are not in that place, they can't be used for this play. Listen again, please. We need to make decisions today that set our feet on paths that God would bless later. We need to be moving in the direction of the steps that have been ordered by the Lord. Matthew chapter 6, listen to the wisdom of God. Verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. All these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Seek first the kingdom. That is the good part. There's a blessing of getting in the position. There's a blessing of getting, it, it, it's, it's the blessing of being where you're supposed, and catching that ball 
and making that first down or making that basket or whatever it might be. The, the blessing of that. Each person in the place they need to be. Let me talk about positioning ourselves by the choices. Mary was a woman that broke the alabaster box. John chapter 12, verse 3, Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. You know what Jesus said concerning that? Mark 14, 9, Assuredly, I say, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Again, at his feet. See, what she chose then kept her focused every time you read of this woman's life. It all speaks of daily decisions to keep that good part good. It can't be good when we were new converts and bad now that we're older. It can't be good when our marriage was a mess, now our marriage is fixed, and now, well, you know, my marriage is taking that part now. It can't be good, you know, when, when we were out there bound up in drugs and now the drugs are out of the picture. Jesus should be there, but now it's job, career, oxen, relationships, possessions. Longevity in the kingdom of God is not accidental. It's not a mistake. It's not something that just happened. It's a cumulative result of personal decisions. It is purposeful thought to position myself at his feet always. That's what we have to say. God, I want to be at your feet. I want your word to not have to fall far before it hits my ears. I don't need it to come through others to get to me. I don't want to get it from YouTube. I want it to drop from your mouth to my ear. The byproduct of these decisions was the joy of salvation. She never seemed to miss the opportunity to spend time with Jesus. When we announce there's a revival, it sh something in us should be like everything is getting moved, everything is getting pushed away because I want to be there. It's not about the preacher. It's about the time we're going to have with God. God, what are you going to say to me? Speak to us as a church, as a people. Now, remember the setting as I close. Jesus is invited to her home, to their home. Jesus is speaking. Mary was enjoying hearing him speak. That's what she's doing. And this is the byproduct of that decision. She's enjoying just hear, hearing him. Do you enjoy your Savior? Is it burdensome to sit and hear God's word? Is it burdensome to read the word of God? Do you enjoy your salvation? Do you enjoy it? Do you enjoy sitting still in his presence? Or do we have to be, have to be, have to be? Do you enjoy just sitting still in his presence? 
God. Do you enjoy hearing that whisper of God's word deposited in your soul that literally is rhema, a word in due season, one word from an entire sermon, one or two words falling like dew upon your drenched or drought-stricken soul, literally All of a sudden, you that were drought-stricken are literally flooded with water. And all of a sudden, the living water is rushing again. Do you enjoy being in his presence? You have to choose not to get entangled in the trap of Satan. You have to choose not to permit yourself to be too busy serving, worrying that you cannot sit with Jesus. Jesus, he said, she has chosen that good part. I will not take it away. I close. Other things are wrestling and jostling for her time. But Jesus said, if she chooses me over all these other things, she will never be divided. And she will never have this time taken away. What God deposits in those moments where you choose to sit at his feet, will be with you forever. These are not words that come from your pastor. They're not words that come from some nice quip or quote or story. It's not words that you heard someone say some time past and can't put it together. I'm talking about word that comes from God right to your soul in these moments where you choose to position yourself at his feet. Those Moments and those times where God speaks that into you will be with you to the grave. And they will be reflected on again and again and again and again. And every time you think on them, it will be so, so wonderful. It will be such a moment that empowers you no matter what you're going through. It will encourage, strengthen. It will be almost like God spoke it again just by your memory of what he said in this time's past. That is positioning yourself for blessing. That is getting into position. And I'm telling you, if there's ever a time we as the people of God need to get ourselves into position and fall at his feet, it's now. I ask you to bow your heads. Close your eyes with me, please. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vbph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.